Welcome to this week's Tell Me About the podcast. This week, Dad runs through why we should consider starting a business and what it takes to do so. We hope you enjoy. Okay, Dad, do you want to talk me through why we would consider doing a startup? Sure, Beth. Perhaps we can take one step back, though, and just look at some aspects of uh, the entrepreneurial endeavor, ambition, why start up, and then we'll go on to what the benefits of starting up might be, and, and, of course, some of the risks and costs of starting up. I think it's important to think about the, the type of individual who really is going to get something out of these podcasts we hope and who the content is really aimed at that's a person who has some ambition to start up their own company they they feel the need to do something their own way they're they have seen a gap in a the market they are frustrated with the way a product or a service works at the moment and feel that they could do something better uh, do it a different way make it improved in some way or other they have an ambition to work on their own or work in partners and potentially have an ambition to be an employer in due course. They have a vision. They can see a future where they have been successful and they have a drive to, to get there. And they, they also are inquisitive. They, they don't know till they'll try what they're capable of achieving. It's also worth mentioning a cohort of people who are self-employed who perhaps aren't necessarily our audience here. And that is those who find themselves as what I would call a contractor, people who have been employed in the past and find themselves unemployed by virtue of retirement, redundancy, or just having been let go, but that are required back by the company that previously employed them or somebody else in a similar field and they then work uh, on their own account for that company as a client in a contracting capacity but the problems that are being solved the products and services that are being worked on are those of their client company not of themselves it's fair to say that people who find themselves in that contractor position just as capable of having some kind of moment where they see the potential to develop their contracting role into more of a startup business and at that point they're very much our audience. I guess it's um, similar to when I was working freelance for you're talking when you're talking contractor you're thinking in my industry it'd be a freelance interior designer. Yes absolutely Beth the people who are selling their time their time may be Uh, very valuable and may uh, comprise super high-end skills, unique talents. But at the end of the day, all they have to do is provide their time. They don't have to provide any of the other aspects that create their self-employment. Just clock in and clock out. Yeah, keep a timesheet, send a bill at the end of the month for the hours done. Should we talk a little bit about where we currently see people who may well have a, 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 an ambition to start up their own business. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's a quite a cohort of disaffected employees out there, people who feel despondent in their current job, they're in a rut, maybe they've grown to distrust their employer or disagree with the direction of travel of the business that they're in, and their minds get taken to that great question, could I do this better? 
could I do something different with my life? So I think there's a lot of potential for people who are ready to start up but may not recognise it yet amongst the cohort of disaffected employees. So one of the things that I see annoying people in my industry is the distrust of the employee by the employer. People that can't just let go enough to step away from designing everything all the time and kind of allowing you to grow as a designer where the the business is their baby which is understandable why employ someone to do the work if you're not going to trust them to do the work Mm. so that yeah yes I I get that yes yeah I think that's a really interesting point and something I think we'll come we'll come to talk about from the other perspective when we uh, get on to subjects around building teams motivating teams leadership these important aspects of starting up your own business We'll be looking at that from the other side and trying to identify some key techniques for people that will ensure in their startup world they aren't that oppressive employer that you've just described who seeks to maintain too much control, who doesn't recognise the skills and talents of the team that they've built and effectively uh, keeps a glass ceiling over the extent of their contribution, be that creative, innovative or just getting the job done in a most efficient and effective way. I also think that there's a, a group of people who, um, who are soul-searching. We're, we're still getting over the impact on our lives, both business and socially, of the pandemic, 2020 through 2022. Um, and at, at the time of recording, there is still all the unknowns relating to Russia's war in Europe at the moment. And I think a lot of people are finding this is a great time to reevaluate. And starting up your own business is such a great way of shifting your work-life balance, shifting the extent to which you feel satisfied with what it is you do in work, however you define work. Um, Not for everybody, but I do think that uh, many people are questioning the norm that they had adopted when they went into the pandemic particularly, and now coming out the other side, see that Frankly, life is quite short and you have to do the best you can in the time you're given. And also that there is more that they can do from a self-satisfaction standpoint. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. People who've been made redundant, whether or not they received a redundancy payment. This is a, an interesting area in which many should be considering starting up. They've got the freedom now to think through those ideas that they may have had over the last several years or throughout their working life, but always felt that they didn't have the time to consider a startup. I'd hate to think for anybody made redundant that they weren't immediately thinking through all their options and appraising the possibility of going into a startup situation. For myself, I came from a generational influence of people who were self-employed who'd started up businesses. My father, my father-in-law, other people around me were all self-employed at one stage or throughout their lives. And it became second nature for me to contemplate working on my own and starting up businesses as soon as I was able to get into the job market. Frankly, as soon as I'd identified a meaningful career. And I think generational influence is a great start point for people. Perhaps that's because you see other people's successes and failures, but you realise that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And 
you then find an inner strength to have a go at starting up. You can overcome some of the immediate concerns most people express and many get over about the risks to starting up a business. Early retirement, those who've come out of the workplace too early at the moment, certainly in the UK, there's a great level of concern for people who are outside of the work environment because they've taken early retirement. But they're not finished yet. These days, I think that people are retiring far too early. I think that they are undermining their own contributions which they can make. And if they don't like the idea of getting back into, shall we call it the rat race, a job that requires certain time input, that requires certain outputs to be achieved, where one is accountable to a manager or leader or owner. They, they may not want to go back into that rat race, but they certainly have plenty to give, uh, plenty of time again, and I think is a great place from which to contemplate starting up. And while we're thinking about people at retirement age, whatever that might be these days, let's not forget that a startup can come from a person of any age. Um, Particularly, I think a, a lot of secondary school children will be stimulated to think about business opportunities. And certainly as they move into post-16 education, further and higher education, the, these are great incubators for ideas for starting up and the younger generation needs to be encouraged to equally consider starting up their own business as they do taking a job with the leading company in their field, shall we say. What kind of characteristics and skills would someone that is thinking to start up have? Yeah, a very interesting question. It is possible, I think, to to, to give a list of things which it would be nice for an individual to know that they have or they are capable of achieving because such characteristics are going to give them the best chance of success. So perhaps let's just go through a a few here. Stoism is probably one of the most important characteristics for somebody contemplating a startup. The Stoics taught us many things about life, but I think there are two particular Stoic virtues which anybody contemplating a startup would be wise to adopt. One is the recognition that we can't control what happens, we can only control our reaction to what happens. And that our opportunity for wisdom sits within the choices we make when we decide upon our reaction to what happens. And we should spend our time deciding upon those reactions, not anguishing over what happened itself. I think the second Stoic virtue that's very important is what the, what the Stoics will call negative visualisation. Some would say this is somewhat defeatist, but it's actually an essential component of good planning, business planning, project planning, whatever it might be. Negative visualisation is around imagining what could go wrong. Taking time not just to have in the back of your mind the big obvious things that could go wrong, but to think about the externalities which could impact on a plan. More time taken on negative visualisation will ensure that the plan that you're putting together covers off everything that could happen that you can envisage and that would be under your control and minimises the risks of failure of your plan. So negative visualisation is actually a very positive component of planning. After stoism, and those particularly those two virtues we've just mentioned, I think interdependence is a great characteristic 
to assist with a startup. What I mean by that is constant recognition in everything we do that everybody relies on everybody else to some extent. These interdependencies may not be obvious at first, but again, with time to think, one can realise that everything we do needs the support of somebody else at some stage or other, or for somebody else to have done something at some stage or other. And so understanding who you depend upon, where your interdependencies are, and who depends upon you, where you sit within the chain of events that lead to the outcomes that are being pursued is vitally important. I think recognising that you're on the right path There's much been written about this. My own personal view of recognising one's on the right path is to think about what happens to you. And if generally speaking, nice things, good things happen to you and you feel fairly happy in your life, then you're on the right path. And if generally the opposite is the case in any condition, i.e. you you tend to have things going wrong for you um, or you're not that happy in what you're doing, you're not necessarily on the right path. Again, one has to take time to reflect on what happened to decide whether things were right or wrong and therefore help you understand whether you're on the right or wrong path in life. Recognising the right path gives you confidence, gives you a sense of pride. All these things will lift your chin and put a smile on your face and people will be amazed just how much those external conditions will help them in their startup. I was listening to, I can't remember what it was the other day, but they said that um, you you should follow the 80-20 rule when looking at what happens in life. I think they were doing it in regards to comments on their Instagram or something. You'll have 80% positive and then there'll be that 20% negative people that just want to be idiots. But so then, but then they discussed applying that to everything that happens and taking it. So if you had 80% good things that happen today, but 20% bad things that happen, focus on the 80% good things because that's mostly what happened. Or if you get 80% of your tasks done in a day, you did 80% of your tasks, you did well. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite a nice thought. It is. It's an interesting inversion of what's called the Pareto uh, analysis where uh, the 80-20 rule originally was all about saying that 80% of things that happen don't matter. It's finding the 20% of things that happen that do matter and concentrating your time on that. Mm. Um, but that's a nice inversion of that and people should, should uh, take that on board. Self-development, I think, is an important characteristic of anybody who's going to contemplate a startup. You don't know what you don't know. You've got to keep learning keep investigating, keep talking to people, keep seeking advice wherever you can, build up your own armory of knowledge specific to your desires and intentions and specific to your startup and your business ambitions. But never think that you know enough about anything. Keep learning all the time. Self-control is an important uh, characteristic as well, I think. Um, Knowing when to stop, knowing when enough is enough, understanding that things will happen without micro management or other degrees of uh, of constraining activity I think motivation will come from good self-control and then finally communication can't stress enough the importance of being able to write and talk clearly to get over your ideas succinctly to be able to listen properly and understand what somebody is saying to you so you can respond intelligently and effectively uh, communication is to a certain extent becoming somewhat lost in modern business because we rely so much on 
typing or dictating into our social media apps or email or whatever it might be. Um, Picking up the phone is still going to be the most important way to get something done or sitting down appropriately. I'm not at all arguing for a meetings culture, but taking the time to sit with people to properly talk amongst yourselves about the issues of the day and come up with proper resolutions. Effectiveness and efficiency in communication is so vital to your startup being something that you'll enjoy and having the greatest degree of success. I think that's where I see the growth in myself because when I started my internship I was petrified on the first day that I had to make a phone call to a supplier I didn't even know how to use the phone it took me like an hour to ask the courage to (laughs) say how why is the phone call not going through I didn't realize I had press nine before making the call but now it's like second nature if I need anything I'll just phone the supplier and be like hey can you do this for me it's your job so like it doesn't bat an eyelid so I guess that might be something that dictates when you are ready to do a startup some people will have it just a knack for talking to people and talking to strangers but some people like me will need a few years experience in getting it wrong when asking questions to then be like okay now I know what I'm doing Mm, yeah that's a good point and um, I suspect that more people are in uh, who need to go through experiences to realise their capabilities and opportunities than there are people out there who just assume that they've got what it takes to do these things. I'm slightly concerned whenever I come across those people you describe there, Beth, as ones who don't need the training, don't need the experience, just have the the wherewithal, one might call it front, to, to get on with these things. They can be loose cannons on deck. They can, they can waste a lot of time um, without proper planning and proper care in what they're doing. So we've talked about who the person is and what skills they have and um, what stage of their life they may be at when they get to the beginning of starting a startup. Um, But why? Why would you do it? Why would you start up? Well, I suppose there's many reasons why you would. There are equally reasons why you would not. But let's Let's stay with the what's in it for the person who attempts a startup. I choose my words very carefully here, Beth. But let's not talk about what's in it for people who succeed in their startup. Because as I'm going to go on to say, I think that starting up is a successful process. Whether one succeeds in achieving what you want from your startup or not is a secondary concern. People who go through the process of starting up a business need to be congratulated for what they have done, how they've got themselves to that point. So I think that satisfaction, therefore, is the first reason why I would encourage anybody with an idea to contemplate starting up their own business. Satisfaction that if it is successful, you make a difference to people's lives or to the other businesses which you're helping in their efficiency. The satisfaction that you prove yourself right the satisfaction that you have created something that didn't exist before, whether that's product, a service, jobs, all of those things will be where the sense of self-satisfaction will come from in starting up. I think you do it because you want to take a greater degree of responsibility. People who start up need to have fairly broad shoulders. They are going to assume responsibility. Responsibility for themselves and their personal actions. There's going to be a responsibility potentially for their families. 
certainly for their customers and certainly for any employees which they may bring on. I think freedom is often cited as one of the primary reasons for wanting to start up one's own business. Freedom of decision-making, freedom in terms of how one uses one's time, which may be at the high level of the work-life balance, being able to help with a young family and uh, pursue a specific area of interest is a perfectly laudable reason for wanting to start up your own business. And nobody says that in starting up your own business you need to work full-time in the in the business. Uh, you can work part-time if you like. So freedom in all these things is a really good reason why a person should contemplate a startup. I, I use the term there, working in. Um, and I meant that specifically because we will talk later about the difference between working in and working on your startup. If all else it works out for you, then you can expect income, whether that's more or less than you had been used to before you did your startup. I, I, one doesn't know and it's not important at this stage. And you may also create some wealth in terms of your startup may uh, achieve a certain value in the eyes of others. So you could contemplate selling your startup business at some stage or other. So there's a wealth creation piece. But I think it's folly to start up on the basis that you want to earn more or that you want to build a business and sell it for X millions in the future. I think that's a flawed foundation for starting up. Startup has to come from the heart. It has to be emotionally driven. There has to be a passion to provide the service or product to solve the problem that the startup entrepreneur can see. And income and wealth should be trusted to be consequences of getting all the other things right. But let's also touch on some reasons why people might choose not to start up after they've given it due thought. Because I think it does need due thought. I would hate to think that people just don't pursue starting up a business because it's not something that they think they can do. People need to get into a space in which they can logically think through why, why would I, why would I not? Let me first of all touch on that point we were, uh, talked about a moment ago about the difference between working on and working in your business. As I said, an, an opportunity of a startup is the freedom to choose how many hours a week you work in your business. But in my experience, once you've started up, you're working on your business all the time. You'll never stop thinking about it, whether you're on the school run, in the gym, cooking the tea in the evening, whatever it might be. Your brain will always be scanning over things you've got to do, things you have done, ideas you've got. Generally, you'll always be making little notes either, either in your mind or on a scrap of paper somewhere. Things that you need to be doing, doing differently, I, as I say, ideas for for ways in which you can move your, your whole entrepreneurial ambition on. We can't deny that. Um, anybody who thinks they can switch off totally from a startup is probably not thinking enough about their business. It has to be a constant process of reflection and adaptation to nurture your ideas into, into and through the startup phase. I think every day I come home from work with a post-it note on the back of my phone of things that I've jotted down throughout the day. And there's one at the bottom of this bag as well. Would you say that those notes 
are things that are about working on either your job or your life rather than working in your job or your life. I don't know. I think I need to discuss on and in differences a bit more with you to work that one out. But it can be anything from like new product ideas to better arrangement of the study area that I have in the house to you know remembering to post on Instagram that evening and anything. And I would say the first two of those are working on and the last one was working in. So um, very quickly on this, examples of working in your role as, a, as an interior designer are the hours that you spend sketching, preparing drawings for client consultation, attending site to inspect works in progress, preparing minutes of meetings or documents or specifications negotiating with suppliers those are all the things you do in your job but what you just said there about new product ideas or different approach to design or a different layout for the studio those are working on issues so working in issues are actually doing the job that earns the money working on is actually thinking about how you do the job um, if that helps uh, with that description so I would say therefore if you had new product ideas I can't remember what you said with the three things now but the first two that you mentioned I would say are working on you're distancing yourself from actually doing what you do and thinking about how you do it mm-hmm. that's working on yeah and then something like posting to Instagram is is what you do so that comes back to working in yeah and I think you can control the hours in a week that you work in your startup um, to suit your work-life balance the degree of ambition frankly the work that's got to be done some startups have much less work in them than others um, and then working on must be accepted as something that you should never switch off just always have a pad of paper somewhere that you and a pencil or your or your phone at hand or or develop a great memory um, and uh, never lose an idea as it goes through your mind mm. and expect those ideas to impact you at all sorts of crazy times yeah many people will say that those those first waking moments are their most creative in under the working on heading laying there as first wake crystallizing the things that are going through your mind grabbing a piece of paper and getting them down before they're gone the moment you're up you're working in again rather than working on yeah I think that's obviously currently I have a full-time job and then I work on and in on in the spent in my spare time um I probably spend most of my week working on just thinking through things and then a couple of hours in the week in the evenings and then mainly on Sundays working in the business Hmm. Yeah. yeah another reason to consider not doing a startup is if you don't want to make difficult decisions difficult decisions are going to be an inevitability in the process of your startup changing your plans having to let people down having to let yourself down these are all the difficult decisions that you need to be ready to make you have to approach them dispassionately it's about making sure you have the evidence base for your decisions and this is not something that everybody feels that they want to be put in they're looking for an easier life and startups is not an easier life it's all of the above it's satisfying you can make a difference uh, you can generate greater freedoms but nobody's saying that it's easy and one has to be ready to step up to the difficult decisions and I suppose the other main heading of why not is the risks one has to be to a certain extent a risk taker Um, if your startup were to fail there's potentially financial risk to you to your security to your family's security 
Um, there's also that sense of failure that you're a loser. Um, I, I really don't get that, to be perfectly honest with you, but many people will find themselves in that position if they attempt to start up and their startup fails. The opposite is, of course, the definition of a true entrepreneur, somebody who sees failure as a point on the path to success. Um, you, can, you can never be wrong. I said earlier on that the starting up is to be celebrated, and if it's successful, that's another reason for celebration, but just getting into the whole process of starting up is a reason for cheering, reason for popping a cork. And if it doesn't work, it's a great opportunity for learning, for re-evaluation, picking yourself up, dusting yourself off, and getting on with it again, because there's a much higher chance of success second time round, and so on and so on. Many entrepreneurs have had a string, a litany of failures behind them that we, we never get to read about until they produce their biographies. So talking about um, risk of failure, the other there's three other aspects just to touch on here. I think that people need to be able to think through and understand that these are risks they're taking. It's important that there is positive management of finances, both the amount of money you need to achieve your startup and then the working capital that your startup will need. We'll talk a bit more about the basics of business finance in a startup setting a bit later on. I think it's important that there be proper management of a product if a product sits at the heart of your startup, both in terms of how it is taken to market, how the intellectual property within your product is defended and protected and how fit for purpose your product is. There's no point in putting out there something which looks good but doesn't do what it says it's going to do. And then there's the management of people. Management itself is about getting the right things done at the right time to the right standard in a timely fashion. Efficiency and effectiveness of work if you will. And then there's leadership as well which is about creating loyalty driving commitment to you and to your startup. If any one of these finance, product or people issues is not properly addressed, they will quickly become a risk of failure within your business. So again, why wouldn't you start up? Because you have a concern that you're not ready to address the need for positivity of the financial management, the product management or the people management within your startup. So once you've worked all of that out, what happens next? Well, uh, let's assume, therefore, that um, you've come from the right place. Your mind is focused in the, on the right things. You're satisfied that you've got the basic skills, temperament, aptitude. Um, then it's going to be about moving on to your business planning. And I think that's what we'll come on to talk about next. I think once the decision has been made that you want to get the startup done, I think you've got to stop talking and get on an act. Planning is important, but let's try and keep planning to a minimum and try and take the maximum amount of action through getting ready for our startup. Everyone needs to start somewhere, and it's too easy to procrastinate over what your start point will be. So we'll get into a bit of that. Don't be intimidated. If you've made the decision that starting up is something you really want to pursue, then you've now got to get on with it with all of your energy, taking the biggest risk that you feel able to take in the process of moving to your startup. And I think finally, it's worth saying that nobody's saying that if you go through the route of deciding to start up, planning your startup and executing on your startup, that it's forever. You can 
contemplate starting up a business for a phase of your life, for a fine period of time, and then leave the decisions open as to what you're going to do with the rest of your, your life, your career. It isn't forever, it's just for now. And I think that helps to make the decision to start up a lot easier for people who may be questioning whether it's right for them or not. I think you know once the decision is made, thing that you just said, um, is quite important because you just got to put it out there and get the feedback, get the know what's wrong, know what's right, and improve through the failures. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and and then then those um, those failures that you refer to there, of course, they might be that a part of your plan isn't going to work the way you first envisaged it. That is, to a certain extent, failure. But nevertheless, I I see that as immediately an opportunity to improve the plan. So you gave me some little notes on what you wanted to talk about before, and I, um, like a a geek looked up a quote Mm -hmm. (laughs) from Mark Twain, uh, which was, continuous improvement is better than delayed perfection. Yes, an interesting quotation, isn't it? Um, Perfection, who needs to be perfect? Perfection is not something which businesses should be focused on. Fitness for purpose, I think, is the standard of everything that we do in small businesses that is acceptable. We can get distracted by the pursuit of perfection. And perfection is never a constant through time. What is perfect one day will become imperfect the next. So chasing the idea of perfection in any aspect of your startup is folly. It's a waste of time distracting you from the real issues of the day, which is to get everything to the standard it needs to be to do the job it's intended to do. The only other thing we could add right now is a story, but I don't know what story you have that would relate to this. Whilst I was living in Florida, I was introduced to a young man who was fresh out of university, whose parents were serial entrepreneurs themselves, who had an ambition to start up his own business, which was around uh, an app being developed that would help people find fun things to do within individual cities. This is a few years ago now, and I know such apps have been successfully developed by others, and potentially that uh, opportunity to innovate in that space has passed. But at the time, the young man in question had some very good ideas, had come off the back of a business degree, had a great business plan, but couldn't stop polishing the plan. I met with him several times, critiqued his business plan, gave him all the encouragement I thought he needed, motivated him to stop writing his business plan and get on and start up his business. But he couldn't get beyond the continuous polishing of his plan. He was, he was, in my opinion, looking too deeply at certain matters that just needed a superficial consideration before he got his product into the market and started to further develop it based upon users' feedback. In the end, he had burnt through what little seed capital he was able to raise, prototyping systems that never got into the market, that never got used by anybody in earnest. And he burnt out in his ideas of a startup. And uh, I'm not quite sure what happened after that, but I know I lost contact with him. But that was a great example, I think, of the need to plan, fix and do. Get through your planning to the right degree and the right level, fix that plan and get on and 
and do it and see what happens and be ready to react. It is perhaps the harnessing of that stoic value of accepting that you can't change what happens. Your opportunity for wisdom sits in the way you choose to react to what happens. And there's a lot of business plan finessing that can go on once a superficial decision to move forward has been made. So for the next episode, do you think we should discuss business planning? and setting up a business plan and what the basics are for that. Yes, let's assume therefore you've made the decision. This is your time. You want to start up. Thank you for listening to our second episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Please like, review and head to our Instagram at tellmeaboutpod and our website tellmeaboutpod.com to keep updated. And look out for the post on our Instagram this week asking for any business related questions you may have for dad. See you next week where dad will be telling me about writing your business plan.